Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. We could honestly close in prayer right after that. I can't think of a... I hadn't seen that video until just now. A lot of times I see them in advance and... That's convicting. As I think about the people that live near me and the people I've had conversations with that, <clears throat> that know I'm a Christian or don't know I'm a Christian, and it's one of those marching orders that we've got to continually keep in front of us. I think sometimes the next big thing is what we look forward to. Either, either you want to make a decision for Christ or eventually I'm going to get my life right until you wait for something like this to do so. Or we want to share Jesus, and we feel convicted to do that, and so we sign up for a trip later on in the year. And there's people all around us. The edge of every tapestry, there's a fringe. And along that fringe, it's either, um, when they're done, it can either be frayed, kind of like the Lord of the Rings one I had up here, which got like tassels along the edge, or it can be a finished border. Um, And when it's finished, it's bound. Uh, if you notice, the, there's carpet. Some of you guys probably see the carpet. Around here, I don't know if it's finished or frayed, but they've got it taped down, so I'm assuming not finished it, to keep it from fraying further. But that's kind of the, the idea behind it. If it's not finished yet, you still have all of that. And it might even look like a frayed edge, but when you get really close, you realize that they're not tied off. They're not little knots to keep you from continuing it and making it larger. And that's the tapestry of the kingdom. It's not done. If it was done, none of us would be here. None of us would be here. When God has completed the kingdom tapestry, that's it. And the rest of eternity begins. And I'm going to skip, I didn't tell him that, I'm going to skip to the very last verse first, and then we're just going to have to follow me back there, all right? Uh, in Matthew 24, <clears throat> let me give you context around this. Jesus' disciples, after Jesus is walking through the temple grounds, and there's all these buildings within the temple grounds, and he says, not one of these stones will be left on another. And, and he's just kind of matter-of-factly throwing it out there, and they're like, what, the temple's going to fall down? When is this going to happen? And they've got all this stuff in their mind, and in 70 AD, it's all going to be toppled, and he's also talking about his own body, the temple is going to be crucified on the cross and it's a layered thing that he's saying to them but they don't get it and when he finally gets alone with his disciples they have three questions for him that they want answered in Matthew 24 well they didn't say in the next chapter because they didn't chapter numbered or anything back then they said when are these things going to take place what's the sign of your coming your return when is the end of the world? <laughs> Can you imagine like your, your small group leaders like, any questions before we move on? You're like, I just have a couple simple ones. Are we getting pizza later? You know, I mean, that's our normal thing. Like, um, or you ask something that was just said, you know, that kind of thing. And I do that in staff meeting all the time at my church. I'll come up with an idea that somebody literally just said because my mind was working on the idea and I didn't realize somebody else already had it and they're like, welcome back, Nate. And I'm like, ah, yeah, it must be a good idea. We both had it. So um, subconsciously, I was probably just listening and feeding it from them, you know, Um, but that threw me off just now. I was just thinking about staff meeting and everything. What was I talking about? Not the wasp. (laughs) It's dead. Aaron killed it. Yes, questions. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm like at the end of the at the end of the week, like this is a sad time for me too. So I'm I'm grieving in the same process. That we're about to end. It's like going to your best fast food restaurant, and you've consumed all of it, and now you're reaching for the napkins, and then you realize there's more fries, and that's the Sunday morning service. All right, you're like, yeah, it's not over yet, right? And so. I don't know where I was going with with questions. Don't worry about. Oh yeah, the questions that they they ask. So in your small groups, in your small groups, that you might ask something like, "I just got a quick question." Okay, so um, let me ask you about this culturally, this cultural thing that everybody's arguing about. Let me also ask you about this political thing everybody's arguing about. And also, like, what happens to people who've never heard about you? I mean, we we ask these really difficult questions that the disciples are like three quick ones Jesus and they ask him like the most loaded questions like when's the temple going to be destroyed when are you going to come back which by the way is never answered in scripture he just says you don't know the day or the hour but then again it kind of is hinted to which is this verse up here that when it will happen and Jesus goes through this long thing which is like a shortened view of revelation in Matthew chapter 24 so if you've ever read revelation and been confused are you with me? Anybody been confused reading Revelation? And you're like, how many heads? How many horns? What kind of beast? Where are they? In the sky? Okay. It hasn't begun. You know, like, I mean, like, you get confused because there's a bunch of symbolism and imagery and allegory. And then Matthew 24 is just plain and simple. This will happen, then this will happen, then this will happen. And you're just laying it out there. And it doesn't have all the details, but it's like no allegory, no symbolism, just... Boom, 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 boom. And it's really cool. <clears throat> and I read it a little differently than maybe some people do because it sounds like Jesus isn't, isn't giving the signs for part of it. He's telling them what they're going to think are the signs. Because Jesus kind of leans forward and says, there's going to be earthquakes in various places. Don't be alarmed. That's not the end. There's going to be wars and rumors of war, but the end is not yet. And he keeps saying this. And so we're like, okay, wars and rumors of wars, check. That happened this week, right? And it happens over and over again. Or we're like, aha, earthquake. I, there was an earthquake in the news. But boom, Jesus is about to return. And we go like that. And he's, he's basically saying, there's going to be all kinds of tumultuous stuff that's always happening. And you're going to be like, this is it, this is it, this is it. And then Jesus boils it down and says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come somebody somewhere is going to lead the last person to Jesus Christ. And then the end will come. I don't know if I'll be that person. I don't know if you'll be that person. I do know if we don't tell anybody about Jesus, we won't be that person. About 85%, I've heard 90, I've heard as low as 75. That's the most generous I've heard. It's usually around 85% in polls of Christians say that they have never shared the gospel with somebody else. I'm not talking about leading somebody to Christ. I'm just talking about opening our mouths and telling another beggar where we found the bread. That's crazy that we'll go to our graves with most of the people in this room right now, statistically, never spiritually reproducing. What if I told you guys physically, 85% of you will never have children 
Only 15% of you are going to have kids in this room. If I told you that, you'd be, first of all, you wouldn't believe me because that's like probably not a thing. I mean, maybe a couple of you won't. All right? Don't worry if you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend. Brother. It's me. I'm going to be alone for it. No, it's not you, okay? <laughs> you don't have to have somebody to complete you. It's Jesus that does that, all right? So, <laughs> so we're not going to go off on the dating tangent right now and how much I think it builds into youth ministry and makes it a more vibrant place for discipleship. <laughs> I, I once had, I once had a, a guy and girl in our youth group that started dating, and he had been dating somebody else in the youth group before, and factions formed. Parents wanted me to address the issue and make them break up because their daughter was hurt in the issue, and we lost about 20 kids in our youth group over this. And I didn't even get to pick which 20 didn't come back. <laughs> yeah, that got out. Sorry. <laughs> Take every thought captive, Paul said. One got away. All right, so. Yeah, I don't, we're not going to get off on the dating tangent for now, okay? And if you're dating somebody, I'm not asking you to break up this weekend or something. Do not blame that on me and never blame it on God. Well, God just doesn't want me in a relationship right now, and next week you're dating somebody else. Now you've just made them doubt God when it was your fault. All right, so back to, back to this. 85% of people go into their grave without ever sharing Jesus. It would be unacceptable if that was a physical reproduction. We would, get, we would put so much money into science to figure out why everybody was now not able to have kids like, what's going on here? What is happening? Is there something in the water? What is happening? Why is this occurring? And our society eventually will cease to exist or it will shrink. It will grow smaller. And we're seeing the church decline in our country because we're content to not spiritually reproduce. 15% of the church has led all of you in here who are believers to Jesus Christ. Imagine if 100% of the church was on point. And right now, some of you were still eating breakfast because the first service was going on in here for RVR. And then you're going to, the, these people are going to leave and they're going to go do something else because we're going to start one over and over because there's not enough weeks in the winter for believers to get together and worship God at a place like this, and there's not enough camps in the world to fill the teenagers that won't shut up about Jesus. There's not enough seats on the buses and vans to bring the friends that we're telling on a regular basis. So we go to the church to drop off our friends we've invited, and we go back home because we gave up our seat on the bus. This Christian thing is still happening and the ball is still rolling and that snowball is going down the hill, albeit slower than it should. Because 11 disciples, once you take Judas out of the picture, 11 disciples took a commandment of Jesus seriously to go to the world and preach the gospel. Jesus said to do it in Jerusalem that's the local town. Judea, that's the surrounding area, the county next to you. Samaria, 
It's a little further away, but that's not the, click, the clincher. It's the people you don't like. They couldn't stand Samaritans. And then the uttermost parts of the earth. What if you had to fill out an application to go on a missions trip this summer that asked if there's anyone that you can't stand or anyone that you avoid when you see in public that you haven't shared Jesus with first. And if the answer is yes, that there's somebody out there, then you weren't allowed to go on the missions trip because you haven't finished with Samaria yet. How would it change the landscape of what we're doing youth ministry wise? I know we wouldn't need as large of a vehicle in my youth ministry I know I wouldn't be on the bus this summer because there's still people that I haven't shared Jesus with that God's placed in my circle of influence. And somebody somewhere is going to pray with somebody for the last time and they usher Jesus in. And we don't know the day or the hour and we don't know who's going to do it, but we know what we've been told because God's desire, we'll back up one verse in the slides to Revelation 7, 9. John in his visions sees this unfolded before him and he says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. The white robes symbolize the righteousness of Christ that he trades for our sin. These are not just people who have been humbled. They're people who humbled themselves. Because one day we'll be humbled or humble ourselves. We'll either have to declare God is who he says he is because we have to or because we want to. The church should always be moving forward. Let's look at Ephesians 5. The first two verses there this morning. There's a whole lot in Ephesians 5 that we could pack in here, but we're going to look at the first two verses. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice for us. Another translation says, and I think this is the one on the screen, scream on the screen. It's not a screen. That'd be weird. Look up there. Ah! Anyways, okay. If you were awake, I mean, sleeping just now, you're like, what's he talking about? (laughs) Be imitators of God. That's what following God's example is. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He asked us to imitate him. If you want to know what that looks like, read the rest of Ephesians 5 when he starts talking about even like coarse joking and not having a hint of sexual immorality among us. Not talking about, well, I didn't, I didn't go all the way here. No, not even a hint. It's like, if you don't want those distractions here, here's a list of distractions that will keep you from being an imitator of God. That will keep you from having a testimony that somebody would even want to hear. Maybe you've thought before, I want to tell so-and-so about Jesus, but they don't see me as different enough yet. And I'm going to try to fix this and fix this and fix this. So I can let Jesus do that in you. 
Just be real and upfront with somebody. I'm trying and I'm falling and fumbling and tripping forward towards Jesus. I know you may not see me as a perfect example of God because I'm not a perfect example of God. It's why I need God. But I'm trying to be an imitator of God. Not in a stupid way like your brothers and sisters were when you were little, where they're just copying, stop copying me, stop copying, you know, and it's so annoying, right? But when you see your brother outside and he's trying that, that move that you did on him in basketball where you broke his ankles and, I, and you see him working on it because he wants to be like you. That's the imitation I'm talking about. We don't want to be like God so we can be in charge like the Tower of Babel. We want to be like God so that my reflection of who he is will be a clearer reflection to somebody watching. It's just cleaning the glass a little bit so they can see a little bit more of God and a little less of me. We're going to continue to affect each other's lives in some way. You'll either be calling people into the tapestry or you'll be repelling people away from the tapestry because they'll feel unworthy or they'll feel like they're unloved or they won't see the reason for being a part of it. It's not like we're just looking for just regular old threads and any old threads will do. Everybody plays a role in this. When they make tapestries, there's all kinds of different threads that they place in there. They put in silk for luminosity so you can kind of, has kind of a sheen to it from a distance. And they put in other things like wool for strength. And they used to weave in even gold and silver threads into these tapestries to reflect the patron's wealth, the person who owned this tapestry. And God is bringing in people rich and poor, young and old from every ethnicity, from every race from every tribe, from every part of the world because he wants that in his tapestry. He doesn't want his tapestry, unlike a lot of our churches, to look like a white blanket. Can we be real for a second? He wants the church to reflect his creation and his image which isn't, isn't complete by just looking at one individual. You see all of this together because it's a building with a cornerstone and all kinds of bricks. Lowe's, you guys have Lowe's up here, home improvement store? Okay, Home Depot bigger for you guys? Or Ace Hardware? No, they're small. Even, if, even when they're big, they're small because Ace is the... What is it with the helpful hardware folks? I don't know. Lowe's corporate is in our town. Like the corporate thing, it's like a small city. So if you shop at Home Depot or something, you have to shh, be quiet about it, right? The town, Home Depot's in the next town where I live, but our church and everything's where um, Lowe's is in Mooresville, North Carolina. There isn't a Home Depot there because the town council won't allow a Home Depot there because Lowe's would not like that and you don't want them to move, all right? I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy, the, the red tape or the blue tape um, to keep the orange tape out, I don't know. So Lowe's has this statement, I mean, this, this phrase, and I'm not sure if they still use this, but it's never stop improving. Yeah, that's, that's like, the, like a sad thing to read when you just get a home. Never stop improving. What does that mean? It means things are constantly gonna break. And it means your wife is gonna get a hold of Pinterest or HGTV, 
and guess what? You thought you were done with something? We moved into my house. I painted a wall, not just a couple years ago. There's nothing wrong with the wall. There's no smudges on the wall. It's not time to be repainted. But my wife wanted board and batten on the wall. Do you know, anybody know what board and batten is? Like the kids in here, like students, you know what board and batten is? You just take pieces of wood and make a grid to where it looks like a bunch of tic-tac-toe boards on your wall, like about this far apart and everything. And what it adds to the wall is those pieces of wood. <laughs> and then you paint the whole thing white. And they used to use it over like textured walls if they wanted to make them flat and they would actually put board and then they would put like the batten things on there. But most people don't do that now. They just put the wood and paint the wall white so it has the appearance of the other. And I, I spent a lot of time doing that. She wanted up the staircase. So like up, up there, so every piece has to be cut at an angle, everything has to be brought in, and then you got to fill all the cracks where I didn't cut it well uh, with putty or with caulk, and then caulk all the edges and, and, and take the little nail set and punch in the little nails where the gun sometimes didn't go quite as deep. And by the way, I didn't own one of those guns, and I wasn't about to rent one, so I had to buy one, and, uh, you know, and the <laughs> anyways, I got it done. I'm not done with the other side yet. Never stop improving. I'm not even sure if we improved it but it's there. And the one thing that's different for me in the dark is if I put my hand on the handrail and just slide it up in the dark, I will hit every board that I put in. So I have to leave the light on and kind of jump over them. I'm like, this is gonna be a great selling point <laughs> to, to our house, A for effort, yeah. And, and I'm not even sure we can live there forever because it probably will be in the way of one of those motorized chairs that takes me upstairs. So I'll have to pull it all off from the chair. You know, so anyways, it's good stuff. When we moved into my house, there was an older lady living there before. She was in her 80s and she had owned like a furniture business at one point that sold furniture, like a boutique. And so we walk into this house, didn't know there was a fireplace because there was furniture in front of it, like furniture everywhere, house plants, like it was trying to be a mimic of the rainforest. And uh, we had mouse issues right off because the, she would take the house plants in and out of doors and they would come in in the pots and everything. Um, there was pots all over this huge back deck. We looked through all this and saw like, wow, this is a great area for people to come over and to serve people and so forth. So we kind of saw through it. And my wife was like, if we did this and we did this and we did this. And I was thinking, me, 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 me. <laughs> She's naming things that are only in my skill set. She's like, I'll learn how to do it. And I knew that wasn't the case, but, um, but she would come up with it. She's the designer and she would come up with all this stuff. Right after they took all their stuff, I walk out on the porch where a giant house plant had probably been for our big pot, had been forever, and just forever on the wood, watered every day, watered every day. My foot went right through the deck. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh no! It, it turns out I pull up the boards, everything's rotten underneath, and part of the deck, because the guy didn't want to dig down further because it's only about this high off the ground, he used two by fours for joists. So they're like sitting on the dirt because he was being lazy about it. Never stop improving. And I finished the deck and got it back. And um, there's probably six boards that need to come up. We were there four years, about six more boards that need to go now. I take them off as they rot. And, and fortunately, I waited until wood was the price of gold to finish. And it's, a, it's all good. But it can, it can seem like 
It can seem annoying. I know people do this with cars too, where they're all of a sudden they're like, I'm gonna get a new car, I'm tired of going to the mechanic over and over and over again. And even though paying a mechanic fee every three months is still cheaper than a car payment every month, we do that because we just want something that's finished. We want a house that's finished and if there's too much stuff going on or it's close to the end of the life of the heat pump or or the, the, the hot water heater or whatever, we start looking around like, should we move, should we move? And so we treat church the same way and want it to be just finished. It's us forward, no more. It's a holy huddle. It's this Christian bubble and we love to be in it. And it's a lot of work to bring other types of thread in and weave them in because now we start from square one. In the church, it's so weird. It's not like school. If everybody didn't go to school and you went out and convinced somebody to come to school and you had been to school this whole, what grade are you in? Sixth. So you're a sixth grader, right? And let's say this whole group is sixth graders right here. Even though they're not, I see some adults that wish that they could do it again. But sorry, ship's already sailed. Um, So right here. This is a group of sixth graders, right? And they find somebody who's never been to school and they want them to tell them about school and everything. And this person's like five, like kindergarten age. And so they bring them into school and the teacher, now they're in the sixth grade class all of a sudden. And the teacher's still teaching like they're teaching to sixth graders. And the kindergartner is lost as can be. That's church. Some of you have been coming to church since you got on the van this week. This is your first taste of it. Some of you have been there since nine months prior to your birth, you were in church. You didn't know what they were saying, but you liked the singing, right? You're like, (laughs) so it sounded like, you're like, this is good stuff. I'm pretty sure they're auto-tuning it. And, uh, And wherever you are in between there, you've come into this thing called the church. And it's so hard, youth leaders. I get what you're doing. It's so hard to teach to all of those levels at once, but it's so worth it to continue the weaving. One day it'll, it'll click for somebody. And some of you guys might think, you know what, I've already heard all this and I get this and get that. Well, maybe sometimes it's not all about You. So many people I know leave a body of believers that they've done life with with the excuse, I'm not getting fed. Are you feeding anybody? That's what I want to say to them. Like, what, what, do, you, what do you think the pastor's job is? To spoon feed every little person there and the people that don't want to be fed to put a feeding tube in? No. It's to preach and teach the word of God. The admonition of make disciples was given to every believer, not those paid staff or bivocational pastors or volunteer youth workers. All of us. And if I'm doing something that takes away from what the church at large is trying to do to reach somebody because I've made it about me, then I've stopped the tapestry cold. And I've not just left out that other thread, I've stopped weaving in my thread to the point where we're working hand in hand together. Church is an unfinished project. Never stop improving. Never stop adding to it. It can be frustrating, like the house or like the car, 
But this is people. And people matter to God. He died for us. He died for them. And he doesn't want us to give up. So no matter who that person is that's in your circle of influence, some of you guys are old enough to have jobs you took off this weekend and stuff. There's people around you at your jobs. He put you there. If you work at a bowling alley, he put you there and he didn't put me there because he thought you were up to the task. Your family that I'm not related to, not closely related to, because we're all related if you go all the way back, whether you're a Christian or an atheist, they'll all admit that, all right? So even atheists now, they're like, we just discovered that there's one common ancestor of all human beings, and they call it the mitochondrial Eve. I wonder where they stole that name. <laughs> Recently, they discovered that there's three, that they all branched off. After that, after that similarity in DNA, there's three main trunks from that. Really? How many kids did Noah have when he got off the ark? Three, and their wives. Three main trunks. Scientists, they're really trying, folks. They're really trying. And every once in a while, they catch up, and it's good. I'm not downing science, by the way. The scientific method is a, is a way of finding truth. It's the theories that kind of mess with stuff sometimes until we catch up with what the Bible is talking about. It's worth it to continue in the process because people are part of the process, and God wants people. If you came to Christ this week, I would love that you had a conversation with a youth worker or by yourself in your bunk or whatever, and you gave your life to Jesus this week, or that's where you want to go with your life at this point. You're like, oh, I really should have done that. I'd love to talk to you, whether it's a youth leader or a student about that, just so I know if I could, I'm not trying to get your information and put you on a mailing list, but if I had some first names that I could pray for as you start your journey, That'd be really helpful to both of us because prayer moves the hand that moves the world. So it's a pretty powerful thing. And if you want to stay connected in some way, youth leaders, I will give out my phone number to you if you ask or my email if you keep it to yourself. All right. Students, if you want to connect on Instagram, it's inside Nate's head. All right, and, and same with Facebook, even though you don't know, you're, if your grandma wants to talk to me, give her my Facebook. And then Twitter, same way. Those are the only ones I do because those are the only ones that um, won't take me down a rabbit hole forever and then I won't get anything done. All right, I'm not saying they do that to you, but I, I could see myself in a three-hour TikTok scroll. All right, so there's certain ones that I just, I just don't do just for the sake of I got, I got other things to do. My wife has projects, and she's going she's gonna to have me working on those, and it's going to be amazing. So um, I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation with you guys that would like to continue the conversation with seeing you again. Hopefully, I don't know if we'll overlap weeks. Plan, I'm, I'm going to try to bring my baby next year. He'll definitely be at camp um, smiling and fist bumping people. It'll be, it'll be awesome. Um, but let me pray for you guys, and then I'll call Aaron and Elijah back up, who have been amazing this week. Almost every camp I go to has one MC up front, and I think the two creates this kind of cool banter that I really like. And by the way, Elijah and Aaron, um, they're amazing people. Like, they really are amazing people. If you didn't get to know them this week, they are.
I always feel like I'm coming home when I come to RVR. So it's one of my, it's like my family away from my family. So I've known the staff people for a long time, except the ones I just met this year that are new. And uh, they seem all right. In a few years, I'll be like, you know who's cool? The person I got to know over the past few years. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for each person here, Lord. Whether somebody gave their life to you this, this week for the first time or, or just set their priorities straight to what they should be, God, or or said, you know, I'm going to go and start getting back in the word or whatever commitments we may have made. Lord, I pray that the distractions of this world, the wasps of this world as we get out of here, won't pull us away from things that we've endeavored to do. Because the moment they do, Lord, we will beat ourselves up in such a way that we shy away from the things of God until the next event. Help us to know that as we fall, we should get back up and never be content to just lay there in the race you've put before us. We ask that you would commission us as you already have to go forth and to show people who Jesus is, starting with the people in our circle of influence, our coworkers, our relatives, our neighbors, our friends, those in authority over us that we know teachers, principals, bus drivers, and coaches. We don't just have to share Jesus with those that are on the same field with us peer-wise, but that this message is for everybody. So Lord, I ask that there would be much fruit out of this room, that the 150 or so people in this room right now would not be content to only have 15% of the people bring somebody to heaven with them. Lord, as I was at a funeral this week, you know, God, standing there with my ADHD, looking at the tombstones, but also noticing that there was a storage unit placed next to the graveyard, God. And your reminder on my heart that nothing we have goes with us except those people we've told about Jesus. Help us to take many with us. Help us to be excited that one day you'll return and you'll return because you've got a representative from every last people group on earth. Thank you for this week and for everything you've done, everything you will do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.